0: Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. Did you know when a broken bone heals, it comes back stronger? More calcium is laid down in the matrix than before. In fact, you're more likely to break a bone that has never been through a trauma than one that has been broken and made a comeback. Our guest today, Dr. Steve Taylor, believes this metaphor also applies to everyday living. When we break, we too come back stronger than before. His new book, Extraordinary Awakenings, share how we can harness the ability to transform through turmoil. This book showcases people that have been broken but made a comeback following intense hardships. This includes an illness, deep depression, addiction, military combat, imprisonment, and near-death experience. If you are ready to achieve an extraordinary awakening, don't go anywhere. It all starts now.
1: It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing
0: lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a senior lecturer in psychology at Leeds Beckett University and the author of several best-selling books on psychology and spirituality. He's the current chair of the Transpersonal Psychology section of the British Psychological Society. He's the author of 13 books which have been published in 20 languages. He's written articles and essays that have been published in over 100 academic journals, magazines, and newspapers. He writes blog articles for Scientific America and psychology today. Eckhart Tolle has described his work as an important contribution to the shift in consciousness. His latest book is called Extraordinary Awakenings When Trauma Leads to Transformation. Welcome to the show Dr. Steve Taylor.
1: Hi David, great to be with you.
0: Oh great to have you today. You know a lot of people are experiencing tough times right now so your book really is great because it can offer some needed guidance. Share with us first what inspired you to write Extraordinary Awakenings.
1: It was based uh, originally on one of my own experiences. Uh, about 10 years ago, I became seriously ill for the first time in my life. And when I began to recover, I felt that something was different. You know, as my body began to heal, I felt that my soul was beginning to heal as well somehow, that and the world seemed like a different place. And I felt that I had this new sense of gratitude and appreciation and this new sense of deep well-being inside me. So I realized that there was, a, you know, there was a phenomenon taking place that I was transforming as a result of healing from my, my illness. Uh, so that inspired me to investigate other cases, and I found that it was a, you know, a very common phenomenon.
0: Yeah, I know your book examines a phenomenon that you call transformation through turmoil. Tell us more about that, and how does it compare to post-traumatic growth?
1: It's similar to post-traumatic growth, but post-traumatic growth is quite gradual. It sometimes takes place over years, even decades. But transformation through turmoil is very usually very dramatic and sudden. There's usually a moment of sudden transformation when people undergo a shift of identity. And it usually happens when they're in the midst of really intense trauma and turmoil. So, for example, it can happen to soldiers on the battlefield when they're facing death. Uh, it can happen to prisoners who've been incarcerated for years. It can happen to people who've been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, people who have been severe, severely addicted to alcohol or drugs for a long time. So when they, they feel as though they've lost everything, when they hit rock bottom or they feel that they are close to death or about to die, suddenly something shifts inside them, almost as if, almost as if their normal identity disappears and a new deeper spiritual identity seems to, t- seems to take over.
0: Right, that makes sense. I know there's, there's so many stories out there of people being able to physically do impossible tasks during times of turmoil, like the mother who lifted an overturned car that was crushing her child, or we've heard about the Good Samaritan that pulled the fallen tree off a dying man. Mm-hmm. Is the reason these people can harness such physical power because they don't have time to second-guess their inability to do the impossible?
1: I think that's part of it, yeah. I mean, one thing I found was that um, I investigated cases of people who were in gulags in Soviet Russia or in concentration camps. So there were people who were living in incredibly difficult situations. They were close to death through starvation. Um, They were, you know, it was minus 30 degrees in the winter. And people often said that they, when they were, you know, in these conditions, they would feel this soul force. They, They sometimes call it soul force. This strange kind of radiance seemed to fill them. And it made them, enabled them to survive through these incredibly difficult conditions. It gave them kind of this inner energy, which enabled them to keep themselves warm in in, in freezing temperatures, which enabled them to keep themselves alive in spite of a lack of food. So there does seem to be this incredible resilience inside human beings, almost as if there, there are these amazing powers, which are normally dormant inside us. But in times of incredible hardship, these powers seem to be activated
0: Right, that makes sense. And and I know in your book you refer to people that respond tremendously to difficult life experiences as shifters. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Everyone's brain is wired differently. Can we all become shifters, or is there just some people that just aren't wired that way?
1: Well, I mean, I mean, everybody goes through intense trauma at some point in their lives. You know, it's part of human existence. You know, as the Buddha said, life involves suffering at some point or other. But Not everybody goes through this transformation. A lot of people do undergo growth. I I think research shows that post-traumatic growth affects maybe about 50% of the population under any traumatic circumstances. So a lot of people will undergo growth. But this more dramatic and sudden transformation seems to be more rare. So, I mean, I don't know the exact figures, but I would guess from my research that it's probably less than 1% of people undergo this shift in response to intense turmoil and trauma. So I think there is something different about the people who go through this transformation. And there's something, about, there's something different about the attitude they have to, to their traumatic circumstances.
0: Yeah, I know your book showcases stories of people who did. They were able to turn you know, their lemons into lemonade. How did you find the individuals that you interviewed for the book?
1: Some of them came to me because I've written about these topics in blog articles. And they said, hey, you know, I've had this, I've had this kind of experience. And I never really understood it until I read this article. And um, other people came to me via friends or acquaintances, they said to me, oh, you must talk to this person, he's undergone this tremendous transformation. And I also, um, some social media, but I was amazed at the number of people who came to me. I mean, I've always had this feeling that these transformations are much more common than most people realize, because, you know, I, I, I collected several hundred cases, and I'm sure there are thousands more out there. And one thing about them is that a lot of people go through this transformation and they don't really understand what's happened to them because they don't, have a, they don't have a language of spirituality or religion to make sense of it. So they, they feel a bit confused, even though they feel exhilarated and they feel a sense of connection and well-being. They feel slightly confused because they don't have a framework to understand it.
0: Right. I know your book offers a four-step process of responding, you know, how people, for the suffering, the turmoil, that people can transform, I guess, their inner power. What are, these, what are some of these steps that you can share?
1: The first step is acknowledgement. That, that simply means, you know, facing up to your predicament. Because obviously, when, when, it, when we're faced with difficult circumstances, we feel what I call the avoidance impulse, you know, the, the, the impulse to divert ourselves from the reality of the predicament. But it's very important to face full-on the reality of the situation. and You know, don't, don't divert yourself from it. Think about it, contemplate it, face it squarely. And once you've done that, it's important to acknowledge your own inner turmoil as well. You know, don't be ashamed of your anxiety or fear. And um, just, you know, accept it and go inside and, 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 and explore it. Don't be afraid of it. Just accept it as a natural response to your situation. And the third step is to explore your own being. I find that a lot of people in these situations, they don't really want to go inside themselves. I think a lot of human beings in general find it difficult to go inside themselves because we live in the external world so much. But it's very important to actually go inside yourself and explore your own pain, your own turmoil, and be aware of yourself as, as the observer of your feelings and thoughts rather than being caught up in them. That point of being able to step back and observe your own feelings is very important because it creates a space between you and your thoughts and feelings. And the fourth step is the most important one, and that is acceptance. That means letting go of all resistance to your predicament and to your feelings. Just opening yourself and letting go, surrendering to the situation and to your own inner feelings. A lot of people find that transformation occurs at the moment of acceptance, A lot of people find that acceptance actually triggers the transformation.
0: Right. Good point. I, I personally believe that we need turmoil in life. Without pain, how would we appreciate pleasure? And if we didn't have chaos in our life, how would we know peace? What are your thoughts on embracing the valleys in life so we can appreciate our time on the mountaintop?
1: I agree with you. And one thing I've also learned through my own life and also through the research I talk about in the book this is that, you know, human beings are actually much more resilient than we normally believe. One thing, about, one thing that happens when our lives run smoothly and we don't have challenges or crises in our lives is that we start to underestimate ourselves. We start to just live on the surface of our, of our being. But when we're faced with challenges and crises, we're forced to dive beneath the surface, into the, the depths of our being. And we always find that the, there's this incredible resilience inside us. Really deep down, we find the kind of, powers which we talked about earlier, that kind of soul force which can animate our beings from within. So yeah, I think challenges and crises are really important because they they allow us to realize how resilient and how strong we are. Yeah, so true. What
0: about, you know, the naysayers that are listening right now and they're saying, Steve, this all sounds great, yada, 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 but man, I just lost my husband to cancer. There's no bright light in my dark tunnel, or perhaps that person who lost their job and they're listening and then now their house is being foreclosed on. How can these seemingly hopeless individuals reach a better perspective in
1: life? That's a tricky one, because obviously these situations are incredibly painful, and there's no reason why they shouldn't be painful. They are painful, and we, you know, we shouldn't be ashamed of feeling devastated by these experiences. But I think it is important to realize that all negative experiences have a kind of transformational potential. They do help us to grow, and we are much more resilient than we normally give ourselves credit for. I think all human beings find that in the most difficult circumstances, we are able to cope. There is something inside us which enables us to transcend challenges and crises. So I'd say to people, just you know, trust your own resilience. There's more resilience inside you than you're aware of. And these situations can be transformational. They will help you to grow. They help us to become deeper and stronger people in the end.
0: Right. I know and uh, read that in 2017, you conducted a research study on bereavement to investigate its transformational potential. What did you discover? Well, I found that bereavement
1: has a lot of transformational potential. I found that, you know, out of all the experiences that human beings, you know, commonly go through, I mean, we all go through bereavement at some point in our lives, many times in our lives. So out of all the common experiences we have, bereavement has the most transformational potential. So I found, found in my research many, many cases of people who, you know, whose lives were completely broken down by bereavement. People who'd lost loved ones, even people who'd lost children, even you know, in cases where there were there were violent deaths, like murder, for example. People, you know, nevertheless they underwent transformation as a result. And you know, I think what happens in bereavement is that it's such a devastating experience. It totally disrupts everything in our lives. It's like an earthquake and disrupting all of the stable structures of our lives. But when the ground begins to settle again, we find that we're in a different place. You know, the world looks, looks different. Everything has kind of been shifted around. And if we can accept the situation and if we can acknowledge the situation, then it does bring out this transformational potential within us. It has a lot of, um, you know, a lot of potential to shift us into a higher level of, of, of uh, human development.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I've lost some loved ones, including a wife, and and how I really, you know, it's a big morning process, but I would literally wake up in the morning and put my finger on my pulse on my wrist and feel that to give me hope for a new day. I've got a pulse. I get to move on. Some people aren't as yeah. lucky. And that did it for me. That was I really did I put my finger on there. And I said, "Wow. God's given me this extra day to to, to do something with my life." And I think that yeah. you know, everyone handles it. Yeah. And then what role does meditation play? Like, is that something that you recommend for this transformation through turmoil? Can people find that peace by meditation?
1: Yeah, certainly there were a lot of examples of that. I mean, um, one thing i found is that these transformations are quite common amongst prisoners. And what normally happens is that when people first go to prison, it's a very turbulent environment, a violent environment. And their situations are quite hopeless. You know, maybe they've been sentenced to a long period in prison. They don't have any hope for the future and they're in this terrible predicament. So some people, people react by being frustrated and, and causing more violence themselves. But other people react by going inside themselves. You know, they, they start to examine their own mind for the first time. They start to really contemplate their own experiences and their own values. And that process of reflection can be transformational. And often that leads people to meditation. They start to naturally sort of focus on their breathing or be aware of their own thoughts. And maybe in some cases, they start to meditate regularly. And that can lead them to a process of transformation, a more kind of gradual process. There's one guy um, who I write about in my book, he's, he's now been in prison for probably about 40, 41 years now. He was convicted of a, a murder when he was just a child at the age of 15. And he was, you know, for a long time in a, in a situation of great turmoil. But after eight years, he started to meditate spontaneously. And he suddenly felt, he suddenly described a light switching on inside him. And he suddenly started to cry for the first time in his life because he felt able to empathize with other people for the first time. And suddenly he was aware of the pain that he'd caused to his family and to the people, to the family of the person he'd murdered. And, you know, meditation can facilitate that. It can facilitate that transformational process where we we switch on to other people's feelings and the boundaries of our own ego break down.
0: Yeah, such a good point. You know, you bring up the the prisoners and, you know, Unlike us, we're, we're a prisoner to social media, to the hustle and bustle, the cars, the getting to work, this deadline, where they can kind of have some time to just sit and maybe find, you hear about it, they find religion when they're in prison or they find peace or they find forgiveness mm. or, you know, they, they, they reduce their guilt of maybe what they did because they, they have that time to kind of just be still. And I think you know maybe that's the yeah. reason why that's because we don't take that time. You know, it's always hustle and bustle. Everyone's checking their beeps and right. their text. And so again, you know, I think that maybe that's that's some good advice for people that, you know, not necessarily yeah. need to be in prison, but stop being a prison to your social media and your life and meditate, yeah. just chill. Yeah, that's such a good point. A, yeah,
1: yeah are some, there are some parallels between monasteries and prisons. You know, yeah. uh, monks shut themselves away from the world. They they let go of possessions and ambitions for the future. So, yeah, it's, it's in a strange way, it's a similar environment.
0: Yeah, you know, something even simple, and, and I've been guilty of this, just not taking a walk a quiet little walk and you know I remember doing that and I had my phone and I'm checking and I said wait a minute I walked back home I left my phone in the house and I said now I'm gonna go walk and man what a difference you just disconnected you know just to get in touch with life with breathing and you know what's so funny is I don't know if it's just you know the little voice in your head or if, if you're if you're believe God or getting in touch with nature, whatever it is that that fits you but man solutions seem to come during that time don't they? We, we seem to be more creative yeah. during that quiet time when we're able to just walk and get in touch with nature.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I write poetry and I find that that's the place where poems come to me or ideas for poems. Uh, you know, I, I'm maybe lying down, relaxing or I'm meditating but it's just that silent space within your mind that, that seems to give rise to ideas and inspirations.
0: Yeah, it's a, same with me. You know, I'll take a nice walk and I'll come up with maybe the next book idea. And it's amazing how it's yeah. like, I can't wait to get home because I want to write it down. Because it's like, wow, it all came to me when I was just p- at peace being quiet and i think that we're missing that out so many people i mean my god i remember when i was growing up there was four channels on tv now we have thousands and thousands to choose from it's just so overwhelming with all this input and you know and all this social media it's you know i remember there was myspace.com that was it now we got oh we got so many hundreds of options out there i can't keep track of them all
1: I know and that's a problem yeah because we've we, we become addicted to external stimuli we lose ourselves in this world of entertainment and stimuli whereas you know you, you, we really need to go inside sometimes we need to find space for solitude and and inactivity to re- reattune to ourselves.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so true, and you know that's why you know people need to do more vacations too. I think people avoid getting a vacation. When they do, they might do a cruise. They go, "We got to be here at three o'clock. We got to go back. We got an excursion. We got to be here." Nope, we got to swim with the dolphins. <laughs> it's like that, that's worse. I've done that. I've come back from a cruise. I'm more exhausted. I'm like, man, I need to go back to work so I can relax.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's
0: amazing. So, what are some other examples of the types of people have been able to overcome by finding a higher functioning state of, of transformation?
1: Addiction is quite common. Um, one phenomenon I've become aware of is a, a strange, miraculous phenomenon, which I call addiction release. And that's when people who've been severely addicted to alcohol or drugs for many, many years, they reach, you know, they bottom out, as, as they say, you know, they, they reach uh, a point of complete hopelessness when they expect to die or they even want to die. And at that point, you know, a strange transformation can occur. Just to give you an example, there's a woman um, I interviewed who was an uh, an alcoholic for 29 years, a severe alcoholic for 29 years, and she ended up being homeless. She'd lost everything. She was just shoplifting to to get by and to supply herself with alcohol. And her situation was so hopeless that she she decided to attempt suicide. But after her suicide attempt, which fortunately wasn't successful, She felt somehow different. You know, she didn't want to drink anymore. The the desire to drink had just suddenly left her. And she she didn't even recognize herself in the mirror when she looked at herself. And people around her knew that she changed in some fundamental way. And that's, in a strange way, you know, that is not uncommon. You know, there are lots of cases of addicts who suddenly lose the, you know, the craving for drugs or alcohol in a moment of transformation. And, again, I think it's because, you know, the... uh, Addicts go through this incredible process of loss over many years. They lose everything, and their identity breaks down. And when their identity breaks down, suddenly there's a space inside them, and a new identity seems to emerge and fill that that space. And the new identity is always a a higher-functioning, spiritually awakened identity. So, yeah, that's, um, that's one category in which these awakenings can occur.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. I had a uh, patient was telling me that you know he, he's an alcoholic. He drinks so much. He lost his, you know, family, yada yada. And and I says, well, why, why do you why do you drink? And he says, uh, what do you mean? I go, does it make you happier? He says, no, I'm miserable. Nobody wants to be near me. I said, all right, so it doesn't make you happy. Does it help you sleep? Oh, yeah, I fall asleep, but I wake up at two in the morning. I can't go back to bed. So that's alcohol. <laughs> and alcohol is depressant. We went through all of his whys, and he didn't have one. And he goes, you know, I don't know why I drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not happier people don't like to be around me my problems don't disappear I asked him. I said does your problems go away he goes no they are actually worse <laughs> I said and you know what's yeah. funny he said I'm so, he said I'm not drinking anymore it just clicked we didn't wow. do a 12-step f- program I just tapped into his why why are you drinking and he didn't have a good why his why wasn't strong enough than his addiction mm. and I think when we can look is our why is strong as our addiction no, and I think that was really a captivating moment. It was like, wow, it's like 2 minutes speech with this guy, and we've we heard him. That's so great. Wow. Let me ask you this. In the two minutes we have left, is there anything else you'd like to share that we didn't cover today? Such a good topic.
1: And the, the only thing I'd like to remind people is, you know, as we mentioned before, there is this incredible resilience inside human beings, which we're not normally aware of. So challenges and crises can you know, enable us to unearth or unleash that kind of resilience and power inside us. And uh, I think in a general way, it teaches teaches us the value of not being too attached to external things. Because I think the reason why people undergo these transformations is fundamentally because they let go of so many things. They let go of their ambitions for the future. They let go of attachment to possessions, to to beliefs and so forth. They they end up losing everything. And in the process of losing everything, they find something deeper and stronger inside them. So I think there's a lesson there that we shouldn't be too attached to any external things, and that the the source of well-being is always deep inside us.
0: Well said. Fantastic. I want to thank you for joining us today. I'm sure many listeners took some great notes, and they're already on their pathway to extraordinary awakenings. Uh, Appreciate it. Such a great topic. To get your copy of Extraordinary Awakenings, go to stephenmtaylor.com. And while there, be sure and check out all the resources he has available, including articles and online courses. That website again is stephenmtaylor.com. And you can follow Dr. Taylor on Facebook and Instagram at Steve Taylor Author. On Twitter, he's at S.M. Taylor Author. And for my daily social media post, you can follow me at Dr. David Friedman, except on Instagram, where you'll find me at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard something today that would benefit somebody you know, send them a link to this podcast. It's available at toyourgoodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com and peruse our podcast library and share these segments with friends, family, co-workers, and on social media. This information is too important to keep to yourself. As I always say, sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to future podcasts podcast at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.